Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. Hope everyone has had a great week so far. Uh, Monday, we did a crash course on critical race theory and a bunch of you reached out to me telling me that that was helpful. We've also talked about it on Instagram over the past couple of days. And some of you who follow me on Instagram, hopefully you're now listening to the podcast, asked me, what is CRT? And so if you're curious about that at all, uh, just go to Monday's episode and it gives you a very basic breakdown of what critical race theory is and how it is affecting us as a country, how it's infiltrating academia, social media, uh, the mainstream media, and even church. And uh, there are a lot of different conversations that we've had on this podcast about that that can break it down even more, especially from a Christian perspective, like my conversation with Neil Shinvi from several months ago, my most listened to episode ever because he's so good at breaking that down. So if you haven't listened to Monday's episode, make sure that you do that. Today, we're going to talk about a few different news stories, things that uh, have gone on over the past few days. It's as chaotic as ever. If you guys thought that the news was going to kind of calm down, that we were going to go back to this place of normalcy, as if we have been in a place of normalcy for the past, I don't know, 10 years in this country, no, 15 years in this country, we haven't. Um, And things are just uh, chaos is going forward apace. And so we're going to talk about uh, some of the latest news stories today. And then on Friday, I am going to, a lot of you guys have been asking me, I always post about the corruption of the public education system and teachers unions. And a lot of you have heard me talk about that before, but uh, I am going to interview Rebecca Friedrichs, who is a longtime public school teacher who took a case to the Supreme Court um, in opposition to the teachers' unions. And so I'm going to talk to her on Friday. And then on Monday, we are going to get to a subject that you guys have been asking me, nay, begging me to address, and that is the Great Reset. Is it real? What's going on with it? Are uh, certain governors and politicians in America in cahoots with that? Is this something that is imminent, this great reset of the economy in the way of communism? Or is it something that we don't really have to worry about? So we are going to get into all of that on Monday after I conclude my very thorough research. Uh, First today, I want to talk about cancel culture, the latest in cancel culture. Uh, I know that you guys are probably tired as heck of cancel culture. You're just wondering when these corporations, when these social media companies are finally going to be like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of trying to keep up with the arbitrary and ever-changing standards of the social justice left. And so, you know, I'm just going to treat everyone fairly and equally and equitably. I'm not going to censor certain viewpoints just because we don't align with them politically and wow, this social media mob that is coming after us doesn't really have a whole lot of power. And so uh, maybe we aren't going to kowtow to every random Joe Schmo on Twitter who tells us that we have to do something. But no, corporations apparently haven't learned that lesson. And they're very scared of certain segments of the society. Uh, Hollywood also hasn't learned that lesson, as we will see in just a moment. But the first example of this is uh, of a, a book that someone that I've had on this 
this podcast, Abigail Schreier wrote, and it's called Irreversible Damage. And it is talking about the transgender craze that is affecting our daughters. She argues in the book, based on research, uh, research that she did and also research of other scholars, that transgenderism, the reason why it has, it has increased so rapidly, especially among young women, is not because gender dysphoria is actually on the rise among young women, uh, but because there's a social contagion aspect to it. She is not saying that every young girl who claims to have gender dysphoria is just faking it, that it's not real, but a large segment of girls who are suddenly saying, not just they've been saying this for a long time, but are suddenly saying when they're 14, 15 years old that, hey, actually, I feel like a boy, that there's a social aspect to it, that it is more of a trend that's going on in some schools, among some friend groups, and that it is actually um, a, a behavior that is part of a pattern of young girls feeling dejected, feeling uncomfortable in their bodies for different reasons, like they don't like how they look or they're comparing themselves to other people. And so it is just a form of discomfort that is now taking on um gender dysphoria that is actually not linked to any kind of long-term desire to be the opposite sex. And so uh, these girls, they have this sudden onset gender dysphoria, and they are uh, going to a doctor's office in some cases without parental consent, like in Oregon, for example, a 15-year-old can walk into a Planned Parenthood, can say, you know, I feel like I'm a boy and I would like to get started on testosterone, and they can do that without parental consent. That is the case in a variety of states. And so some girls are taking that option and they are causing irreversible damage, like the title of the book says, to their bodies because it affects fertility. It forever affects how your body develops when you're in the middle of puberty and you start pumping your body with fake hormones, cross-sex hormones like testosterone. It changes your voice. It changes your facial structure. Of course, it uh, gives you facial hair. And some of these girls, they get to be 18, 19 years old, older than that, and they realize they've made a terrible mistake and they can't go back. They can't change their bodies. And the big problem with it is, is that there is such a, a low barrier to these girls getting treatment, even sometimes when the parents do consent because they don't know what else to do. Because now psychology and uh, even uh, pediatrics have been so politicized that very often these doctors will not say, um, okay, you know, you have to have these persistent feelings of gender dysphoria for a certain, certain amount of time. You have to be this certain age before we'll start you on hormone blockers or we'll start you on cross-sex hormones. Instead, um, it is very easy. There's a low barrier of entry for these young girls, teenagers, whose brains haven't even fully developed, who can't even, uh, who can't even critically think through normal everyday issues as as every you know teenager struggles with they are now making decisions that affect their bodies for the rest of their lives without any pushback whatsoever from doctors and psychologists many of whom if not all of whom know better and so that is why Abigail Schreier wrote this book Abigail Schreier is someone who is uh, very supportive of gender transition for adults who make that decision on their own and they decide that's the path that they want to take. But her specific concern is with teenage girls who are going through with these surgeries and are going through with these hormone treatments, either without parental consent or um, because of parental ignorance and lack of knowledge
knowledge uh, of what to do and how to help their daughters in other ways and uh, a lack of uh, medical guidance from doctors and psychologists. They're causing this damage to their bodies. And so Abigail Schreier just wanted to write a book raising a flag about what's going on to let other parents know that, hey, this is pervasive, to let other parents know that, uh, you know, this could happen with your daughter. And here are the resources that you have. Here's the research that's out there that we need to actually know the truth about this. This was a research-driven, very reasonable, nonpartisan book, not a religious book at all. She doesn't insert any kind of ideology or philosophy in it. She says, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. This is the damage that it's causing. Here are the concerns of the parents. Decide what you will. Okay, so so that's the book, a very reasonable book that I think even five years ago would not have caused um, any waves. I think a lot of people would have read it five years ago and said, okay, why are we even talking about this? Is this even a problem? But now it is such a problem that Target decided that they were going to uh, uh, stop distribution of the book because they got a tweet from a Twitter user uh, with roughly 1,400 followers. So that's nothing. Maybe that sounds like a lot to some of you, but it's nothing. They have no big impact, not just on Twitter, but on, on culture in general. Uh, the tweet said this, I think the trans community deserves a response from Ask Target. Target, those are the two handles that this person tagged, as to why they're selling this book with uh, about the transgender epidemic sweeping the country, trigger warning, transphobia, and uh, the and Target responded saying, you know, thank you so much for bringing this to our attention. We have removed this book from our assortment, and if you went on to Target's website, you were unable to search it right after that. So they immediately took it down because of this tweet. And, it, and by the way, this tweet of this person whose um, handle is. Blue Iris 04, and the name is 10ACAB. ACAB stands for, and I'm about to say uh, a bad word if you're listening with your kids, all cops are bastards. So that's who this person is. 1,400 followers, 2,000 likes. And so not even a viral tweet at all. Now, some other people had picked it up, and so a few people on Twitter were talking about this, but Target immediately responded and decided to take it off uh, take it off of their website. They probably were making moves to take it out of their store as well. Did they actually have time to read the book? Did they look into what the book was about at all? Of course not. I mean, this was an immediate decision, an immediate reaction that they had based on um, based on the disagreement of someone with 1,400 followers on Twitter. Now, tell me, do you think there was a little bit of... Um, there was a little bit of an uproar uh, a few months ago because Target was selling kids books that were teaching them about demons and witchcraft. And there were Christians who were angry about this, upset about this, saying something about this. Did Target ever respond? No. Did Target ever say, hey, we're going we're gonna to take this stuff down. We'll take a second look at this. You're right. Maybe this isn't best for children. I mean, of course, you wouldn't expect them to do that. But did they pay any mind whatsoever to the parents who are concerned about kids learning about demonic activity? No, they didn't even respond because society knows, these corporations know that the people that you have to kowtow to are these identity groups on the left, no matter how much cultural influence they have. Now, 
Thankfully, I will say this is a rare case of a corporation walking back a decision after there was pushback from the conservative side. So there were people uh, who are who are transgender. There are people who are apolitical and there are conservatives calling out Target on Twitter saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are, are we really in the banning and, and burning book stage of our republic? Like, is that where we already are? That the people who are calling conservative fascists are the ones looking to ban material, very reasonable, well-researched material, just because it hurts a group's feelings, just because some people don't like the conclusions that it leads to? Is that really where we are? And Target, are you really going to play a part in that? Um, Abigail Schreier tweeted, Target.com just made my book disappear. Does it bother anyone that woke activists and spineless corporations now determine what Americans are allowed to read? Yes, it bothers me very much. And I'm so glad I had her on my podcast. You should go back and listen to that episode. Uh, Also, this actually had the opposite effect for her book. It uh, shot up in the Amazon charts because people said, oh, wow, this must, if this book is this contentious and it's causing this this much controversy, then it is probably worth reading. And so a lot of people bought her book and I'm so thankful for that, that God actually used this cancellation situation uh, to make more people aware of her book and uh, buy her book. There were politicians, there were activists, there were influencers all calling Target out. And uh, Target then responded yesterday, we removed a book from Target.com based on feedback we received. We want to offer a broad assortment for our guests and are adding this back to Target.com. We apologize for any confusion. Now, good for Target. You know, I'm glad that they reversed this decision. Of course, it was very silly and hasty of them to make this decision in the first place. Again, based on the complaint of someone who doesn't have any kind of like influence or authority or any like that. This is just a random person on Twitter. I mean, obviously Target doesn't respond to every random complaint about something that they sell. Um, I'm glad that they reversed the decision. However, there wasn't any confusion. They said, we apologize for any confusion. There wasn't any confusion. We weren't confused. We saw exactly what happened. We saw the decision that you made and why you made that decision. Because corporate America cows, uh, kowtows to the social justice mob. They kowtow to these identity groups in a way that they would never kowtow. Uh, typically, they wouldn't kowtow to the other side. Here's the difference between the leftist cancel culture and then what conservatives try to pressure corporations to do. And so you saw uh, the, the left-wing cancelers try to get a book banned. Uh, What conservatives tried to do with their influence is not to ban a leftist book that we don't agree with, but rather to push Target back to a place of neutrality. And so that's what conservatives really want. Whereas leftists, uh, leftist activists, not all leftists, of course, uh, they use their influence to try to get corporations to make statements that align with their ideology, to sell products that align with their ideology, and uh, to give money to groups groups that align with their ideology. Conservatives, at least nowadays, we don't use our influence to do that. We are trying to bring corporations back to a place of political neutrality to where they are willing to sell a a broad assortment of books, whether they are communist books or whether they are conservative capitalist books, whether they are books that are pro-transgender, whether there are books uh, that present research that is 
anti-transgender. I mean, I believe that people should have the choice, that they should have the choice to read what they want to read, that people should have the choice uh, to choose the things they want to buy. I don't believe in forcing corporations to sell something that they don't want to sell. Of course, it is their business and it is uh, their decision. But uh, conservatives don't want corporations making political statements that are necessarily in favor of the conservative side. We would rather them get out of the political sphere altogether. Because when you have corporate America that is using social justice as a bludgeon <laughs> for half the country and to censor one side of the country's views, then it really doesn't it, it really doesn't matter what the Constitution says about uh about your freedom of expression and your freedom to write what you want to write and read what you want to read. If people who control our flow of information and control where we can actually purchase the books that we read are saying, no, 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 I'm going to censor one viewpoint, well, then we're not really free to read those things. We're not really free to learn and to know and to gather the information that we want to gather. The same thing is true of big tech, of course. Okay, guys, I got to tell you about Simply Safe Home Security. And this is a really good time to talk about this because this would be a wonderful Christmas present to yourself, maybe an early Christmas present, because the holiday season is where we see an uptick in uh, in in robberies. We see people trying to come in and they're stealing your gifts that are in your house or they're trying to uh, steal the packages that are on your porch. And so this is a really good time to make sure that your home is secure and Simply Safe is the easiest and most effective way to do that. I say that from experience. We use Simply Safe Home Security, and it has been uh, a real lifesaver for us. And they don't just have security cameras and window sensors and your typical keypads that you see uh, in a normal security system. They also have, for example, leak sensors. So we have their leak sensors under our sink, and there was a leak under our sink that we didn't know about. And thankfully, my husband was alerted, and he was able to fix it. It probably saved us a lot of money. And so we are just so thankful for Simply Safe. Their customer service is great. They monitor your home 24-7. And so whether you're at home or away, you really can feel secure. The best thing about it, starts at $15 a month. And so if you just get the basic security system, $15 a month, super affordable. And you don't have to haggle with a salesperson. You don't even have to have a technician come out and set it up for you. They literally send it to you in a box on your porch. You open it up and they give you all of the material that you need. And you put the keypads up, you set the cameras up where you want to, and then you put the app on your phone and you're good to go. That's literally it. It is so easy, so simple and super affordable. And also, most importantly, really effective. So go to simplysafe.com slash Allie. That's with an I at the end. Simplysafe.com slash Allie to get 30% off uh, Simply Safe plus a free security camera today by visiting Simply. That's simply with an I at the end. Simplysafe.com slash Allie. This deal expires on Friday. So do it in the next couple of days. That is simplysafe.com slash Allie. Here's another crazy example of cancel culture. So Melissa McCarthy, you know, she is the she's the actress. She's hilarious. Like she's so funny and everything that she is in. And I was really excited when I saw that she was supporting Exodus Cry in her um what was it? It was it 90 days of kindness, 20 days of kindness. Um 
I should have had that right in front of me. But uh, she was doing several days of kindness where she was uh, donating money to various organizations. And she chose Exodus Cry. Exodus Cry is an organization uh, that works to end sex trafficking and to rescue victims out of sex trafficking. They do amazing work. They have done amazing work for uh, a very long time. And I was really excited. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that a celebrity is actually donating to this because uh, you don't typically see you don't see a lot of celebrities actually saying that this is a problem that needs to be addressed. And Exodus Cry is an organization that is led by a Christian. And so I was pleasantly surprised by that. And um, I was excited about it. And then I saw the news on Exodus Cry's Instagram that actually Melissa McCarthy not only changed her mind along with HBO Max, who is doing this in partnership with her, um, but She also uh, issued a a video, an apology, saying, quote, that Exodus Christ stands for everything that we do not, which is a very interesting admission when you're talking about an organization that fights to end child sex trafficking. But apparently what she meant by that is that uh, the the owner or the, the founder of Exodus Cry has made statements about his belief in biblical marriage as between a man and a woman. He is anti-abortion because, again, he's a Christian, and so he is going to hold to the biblical ethic on life and marriage. Um, now, they have been an extremely inclusive organization. They have never discriminated against, as they have said time and again, they've never discriminated against anyone in the LGBTQ community. They don't judge people who have had abortions. They are exclusively focused on on rescuing people from sex trafficking and uh, stopping sex trafficking specifically uh, through the uh, specifically that is popular through the uh, pornography industry and shedding light on how pornography is actually feeding this giant multi-billion dollar beast of sex trafficking. They don't have anything to do with any of those other issues. There was also a little bit of a scandal because Exodus Cry was started from IHOP, uh, the International House of Prayer, and the guy who started IHOP has said some controversial things about uh, about Jewish people. But that is not Exodus Cry. That has nothing to do uh, with Exodus Cry. He doesn't have any influence or leadership over Exodus Cry. And yet the Daily Beast ran a hit piece on the Exodus Cry and called out Melissa McCarthy and the LGBTQ community came to Melissa McCarthy and said, you know, this is very harmful. This is very dangerous, which led her to cancel this partnership and to apologize and to say the Exodus Cry uh, stands for everything that we do not. This is just another example of of the cowardice of Hollywood. They care so much about approval. They care so much about money. They care so much about not being canceled themselves, even by a small group of people, that they are willing to pull support from an organization that exclusively and effectively helps end sex trafficking and rescues victims of sex trafficking. How much better, how much more moral and courageous would it have been for Melissa McCarthy to be like, look, I'm not going to agree with every single stance that every single founder of every single organization and charity 
has 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 made. But this is an organization I've looked into it. I've done my research that does really great work to end sex trafficking. This is a really big problem, and anyone who stands up against this, anyone who tries to rescue uh, victims of sex trafficking, uh, that is an organization that I want to support. And I understand that not all their views are going to align with my views. Not all their views are going to align with your views. That's okay. That's going to be true of the majority of charities. But she didn't do that. Instead, she made the ridiculous statement. She apologized and made the ridiculous statement that Exodus Cry, the organization that fights against sex trafficking and rescues girls and boys from sex trafficking, stands for, quote, everything that we do not. Everything that we do not. So are you saying you're for sex trafficking? Like you're, you're for the rape of children for profit? That's such a ridiculous, stupid, thoughtless statement. The fact that there were people applauding her for this great uh, apology, that she showed so much honesty and morality and integrity. Are you kidding me? This was the most cowardly thing that I've ever seen. How small of a person do you have to be to do something like this? I mean, it's so embarrassing for you, honestly. I mean, this just makes me so mad. This makes me so mad that there is a group of people that um, everyone is so afraid to offend. Everyone is so afraid that that group of people, that those activists, left-wing activists, are going to ruin their lives and to ruin their careers, that they are willing to lay everything down on the altar of progressivism. That includes uh, children that are in sex trafficking. (laughs) That includes any good cause, as long as it means that they won't be canceled by people, as long as it means that they don't offend this small minority of people, as long as it means that they can stay in the good graces of the progressive left, they are willing to lay down anything on that altar. It's really amazing how self-serving Hollywood is. And they love to parade around like they are our moral betters. Like they are the people who can teach us virtue, who can teach us about generosity and integrity. Please, for the love of all that is good, do not take your moral cues from people like Melissa McCarthy. Do not take your moral cues from Hollywood. These people are so vapid. They're so empty. They're so self-contradictory constantly. And yet they feel like because they pretend to be other people for a living, they somehow have a platform and have a place to tell us how to live our lives and to tell us what is politically correct, what is morally correct. Please, if you idolize anyone in Hollywood, if you idolize anyone, but especially anyone in Hollywood, if you are getting any of your moral cues from them, your political cues from them, your worldview cues from them, stop. Stop it right now. It's going to lead you in a stupid, bad direction. It's going to lead you in the direction of apologizing for supporting an organization that fights to end sex trafficking because the leader has some Christian views. I mean, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Okay, I want to tell you guys about Hydrant. Hydrant uh, creates these flavored electrolyte packets that you mix directly into your water to keep you super hydrated throughout the day. If you've ever dealt with dehydration, you know what it can bring. It can bring 
massive headaches. You can get tired throughout the day. Uh, there are all kinds of symptoms that you might not realize are attributed to you just not drinking enough water and not being hydrated that actually are. And that is why hydrant exists to make sure that you are staying hydrated throughout the day and that you don't have to deal with that afternoon slump or those uh, chronic headaches that are actually caused from you uh, not getting the hydration that you need. So each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. They help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There are no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan and you can choose between three different flavor packets or try a variety pack. Uh, Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. For 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com slash Allie. That's drinkhydrant.com slash Allie for 25% off your first order. That is drinkhydrant.com slash Allie. Okay, so I wanted to make sure that we get into um, what happened in D.C., and that's going to that's gonna be the end of this episode, but I wanted to make sure that uh, you guys saw the craziness and the violence that went on over the weekend after the Million MAGA march, I think it was called, where there were Trump supporters marching and um, protesting, I guess you could say, against fraud in the election or potential fraud in the election and marching in support of President Trump in D.C. After that was over and people were leaving, going back to their hotels, etc., violence broke out between some marchers for President Trump and Antifa and BLM. And so um, I'm going to play you a couple of those clips now. So you saw that guy getting sucker punched. Um, it's actually come out the guy that sucker punched him is a convicted uh, child abuser. Um, I think child sex abuser, actually. And so just a, a, a gem of a person. He was just let out of jail, um, I think, a couple years ago. So now he's sucker punching people on, on the street. Now, I will say for that particular clip, People um, are saying, you know, Andy, no, the guy who posted the clip, you didn't you didn't post the whole context. And so people on the left were posting a longer clip that actually showed the guy who got sucker sucker punched was throwing punches first. But then. And there was an even longer clip that Andy No posted that showed that those people, uh, the Antifa BLM people, were harassing an innocent family just trying to get to their hotel. And poor kids crying. It was absolutely terrible video. Um, but these BLM Antifa people were harassing this family. And so this guy was kind of throwing punches, not actually punching people, but just kind of swinging, trying to get them back and to protect this family because the police were not doing their jobs in D.C. And so uh, he was just trying to protect these family from the harassers and from these assaulters so they wouldn't assault these children. And then he gets sucker punched. And so that is the entire context. And no matter what, a sucker punch is never justified. I mean, coming up from behind, but we see that time and again with Antifa and these Black Lives Matter activists 
whenever they are confronted by people who they disagree with or uh, they are just uh, not even confronted by these people, but they come across these people when they are trying to protest or, or block roads, they are always coming up from behind and knocking these people out. And then after they're knocked out, there's usually a roundhouse kick to the head that either nearly kills people or actually kills the person that's down. And in this particular case as well, this guy's phone was stolen from what looks like a BLM activist. And so uh, I'm not saying that I agree with every single person that was at the MAGA march. I, I don't I don't know all of them. There were some crazy videos out there of some crazy people saying crazy things. But this continually happens from the BLM Antifa side. I mean, we also saw these BLM activists harassing diners. And so we're not talking about people that were at the march, but that day, they were going up to outdoor diners, harassing them, yelling at them. I mean, we've seen this time again for the past few months. They've been doing this since May. This has been going on. Antifa and BLM, uh, starting violence, inciting violence. And people are saying, oh, well, what about the Proud Boys? I don't know about the Proud Boys. I'm against anyone that is inciting violence and that is starting violence. I am against that. And what we see time and again is that the harassers, the people that are causing trouble, the people who are going out there to instigate this kind of violence are Antifa and BLM. Again, they've been doing it for the past few months. They've been burning down cities. They've been harassing innocent people at diners. Uh, people who are dining outside. They have uh, been the ones who are looting and who are rioting. And for what reason? Well, a lot of people say it is, uh, you know, rioting is the voice of the unheard, but we have busted that myth several times on this podcast. The fact of the matter is, is that these people are instigators. A lot of these people don't have anything to do and they have criminal records. And so they are looking to start trouble. That's a problem. I'm just wondering what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris do if they officially take the White House, what they're going to do to quell this. These are their supporters. These are people who voted uh, who voted for them. A lot of people got mad because President Trump told the Proud Boys to stand back and to stand by, which I think that he just was not even thinking about what he said and he shouldn't have said stand by. That was that was stupid of him. It didn't even make any sense. Well, are you going to show the, the, the same anger and the same frustration towards Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, neither of which have called out these groups by name, by the way? I, I highly doubt it because there is this conspiracy theory that Antifa and BLM just don't exist, that they're just peacefully sitting on their couches talking about how to go volunteer to save puppies when that's not the reality. That's not the reality. These people are causing violence because Marxism always does, as we talked about on Monday. And so Joe Biden and Kamala Harris keep talking about restoring the soul of America, which is a line that they took from John Meacham, who is an author who wrote the book. Uh, I think it's even called Restoring the Soul of America, who wrote uh, a Joe Biden's so-called acceptance speech. He's a center-right guy, so it makes sense that that's kind of his language that they're adopting because they're trying to appeal uh, to that crowd right now, and they certainly were before the election to get their votes. But Joe Biden keeps on talking about restoring the soul of America as if it is possible for a president to do that. It's not possible for a president to do that. And it's certainly not going to be Joe Biden. I mean, look at what their supporters are doing. And they refuse to even call this out by name. And of course, Kamala Harris even tried to raise money for the rioters and the looters in in Minnesota when that was happening back in uh, June after George Floyd's killing. And so I don't think that the restoration of the American soul is going to happen under this administration as if that was even possible under any administration. 
I would love for the soul of America to be restored, but that is impossible outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that ain't coming through. It's not coming through via Trump and it's not coming through via Biden either. That's just not how it works. And for any president to take on that kind of authority and that kind of responsibility is idolatrous and weird. It's just weird. It's not going to happen. And so if we want the restoration uh, of the American soul, then we better get busy sharing the gospel because that's the only way that it's going to happen. That's the only way that I see any way forward for America, any reconciliation, any coming together. Because like I said, we have such fundamental disagreements about not just how to build society and politics and policies, but we have fundamental disagreements on what truth is, what male and female is, when life begins. I mean, very, very uh, basic disagreements that I don't see us changing on at all or coming together on unless there is a renewal and regeneration of people's soul through Jesus Christ. That's the only way that I see us moving forward because the right says, okay, we're fine with a divorce, like irreconcilable differences. Like we just don't want to do this anymore. Let's create our own country. The left can create their own country. It's interesting that only the right is saying that. And the reason that the only the right is saying that is because leftists, leftism wants power. I mean, they want domination. They want submission. They don't want just a divorce with irreconcilable differences. That's why you never hear them say that. They don't even want the existence of conservatives and people who disagree with them and people who have disparate, uh, disparate values. I'm talking about the 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 far left, the far left activists, they're not interested in a pluralistic society. And so you never hear them talking about a divorce the way that you hear some people on the right talking about a divorce because it's about power, whereas we would just have peace, even if that means um, a, a kind and, and polite divorce of the country. But the only way that I see unity happening, which I really do want, and I really do want progress in this country and for us to come together, despite our differences, um, is for us to just agree on the basics and the fundamentals fundamentals in this country. And I think the only way that that happens is a total renewal of the mind. I, I think Jesus Christ is the only thing, the only thing that could bring us together in any way so that we could at least agree on the fundamentals, even if we disagree on politics and other things. It just seems like a long shot right now, but we pray for it. And hey, if Joe Biden is the official president, we pray that he is as successful as possible, as unifying as possible, and that this country does thrive under his leadership. That is what I want. That is truly what I want, no matter who is president. And so that is what I'm praying for and hoping for. Okay, that's all we have time for today. I will be back here on Friday with Rebecca Friedrich.